Everybody doing all right this morning? Woohoo, Joe is at least. Hey, just a shout out because um, if Josh and Casey, if you're gonna if you're gonna listen if you listen to this this afternoon, just know that we're praying for you and um, we're here for you. And um, but also before I get into this, uh, just a reminder: we forgot to put an announcement in the <coughs> slideshow, um, but. Today, after the service, if we get tore down, there's going to be a ladies' day at Mom's house. Um, <clears throat> if you're, if you want to go, which the address is 506 Tedlow Lane, Knoxville, Tennessee 37920. You may want to edit that part out. But I'll get, well, I'll just keep it in there. Everybody can show up at Mom, Mom's house. It'll be all right. Ladies, all right. if you're a single man and you, um, everybody's married here. Sorry. Um, but anyways, um, you know, we've been in this series for the last couple of weeks and we have this Sunday and next Sunday left to cover the book of Hebrews. And, um, I've really enjoyed this series. Um, it's been a real encouragement to me. Um, and it's forced me to look at things and talk about things that I wouldn't normally just straight up talk about, you know, that's what happens when you do, do a series like this and, um, but we've talked about how Jesus is the goat, how he is the, great, the greatest of all time, right? And we truly believe that no matter what we face in life, he is the greatest of all time. And here's a couple of reasons why. He's the goat because he's the greatest of all time because he is the exact imprint of God. Or you can say that he is God. Or maybe you, he's the goat because he's our kinsman redeemer, which means he became like us. He became akin to us. And what a kinsman redeemer would do is he would pay the debt of someone he's kin to. And he paid your debt. He became our kins, kinsman redeemer. And then you have, then you have uh, that Jesus is the goat because of his finished work of grace. Because if he didn't finish the work of grace, we'd still be bound by sin. And, and, and we, and he, but we also know that he understands our needs and struggles and supplies us with grace and mercy. Then he, then he, he is the final high priest. He's the goat because of his faithful promises. He's, he's the fulfilled promise and the promised promise fulfiller. Jesus is the goat because he is our mediator. Jesus is the goat because of his better sacrifice. Jesus is the goat because he's our reigning and returning king. That was one of my favorite ones. Because no matter how bad this world gets for us as believers, this is the worst it's ever going to get for us. And Jesus is the goat because he is the, and last week we said Jesus is the goat because he is the author and perfecter and rewarder of our faith. And this morning, I'm going to talk about something that none of us really like. It's not sex. So you because don't you feel awkward when people from a stage talk about that? You're like, let's move on past that. It's not about that. It's about something even worse. But we all go through it. And it's this little word called discipline. Have you ever been disciplined before? Dad used to whoop us up and down. All right? Dad used to tell us to sit right there. And if we would have sit over there, he'd whoop us and tell us to sit back right over there. Wouldn't you, Dad? Discipline. Discipline. It's something we can't escape, and it's something that we don't like, but what if I told you it was good for you? And here's why. Today we're going to talk about discipline, because Jesus is the goat, because he is a devouring fire. 
And does anybody know what fire does? It refines. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen a, a glass worker blow glass? They take something like this. They take a picture like this. See if he gets it up there quick. He takes a picture like this, a bunch of broken, useless pieces of, of, of glass, and he puts it in a furnace full of fi- fire that devours the glass and melts it down and turns it into a beautiful sculpture. Anybody else's grandmothers have like little glass things like that sitting around knickknacks in their cabinet? All that came from pieces of broken glass. The Latin, like here's here's what ha- would happen is when they would when you melt down, when you melt down this plastic in this in this devouring fire, it it burns away all imperfections in the glass. All the, all the air pockets come out of it. All all the imperfections come out of it, and 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 you're able to discipline it, and shape it, or train it, in the way that you want it. See, the word that we get discipline from, and it comes from a Latin word, which is disciplinium. My three years of Latin in high school are coming in handy now. Disciplinium, which means to be trained. And just to tell you a little story, just to tell you a little story real quick. When I was in high school, I had a certain teacher. This He may or may not have been the course teacher. I ain't going to let you know. All right? And uh, one time, he like for several weeks... He was grilling on me, putting, clapping his hands in my face, saying, you need discipline. Well, the last time he said that, we had just did the word disciplinium in our Latin vocabulary, which it means to what? To be trained. And I said, well, the word discipline comes from disciplinium, which means to be trained. And for me to be trained, I need a trainer. So where are you? That didn't go well. Um, but it means to be trained. So a glass blower puts broken glass onto a furnace to melt it down, burn away the imperfections, and then, and then disciplines it or trains it into a beautiful sculpture. See, sometimes when we think about discipline, what do we think of? We think of our dads whooping us. Or we think of our boss put, coming down on us. We think of our grandmothers getting the hickory stick. But discipline is not punishment. Discipline is not punishment, but it's refinement. Discipline is not punishment, but refinement. I'm getting some of my restorative interventionist stuff coming out right now. <laughs> but to, Because discipline is nev- from God is never meant to punish us as believers, but to refine us. Dad's looking at this stage like it's about to fall through in a minute, aren't you? keeps popping. So what I want to do today is I want to show you a little bit about God's discipline. Is that all right? Here we go. Verse 1 of chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, remember we read this last week, a little bit of this last week. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. I'm going to just pause right here for a minute. You think of that sin as this imperfection in us. 
this imperfection in us. I know that might be a bad analogy, but for, for our purposes today, just think of it in, the, in, the, in light of we have, God is trying to get rid uh, of those imperfections that are in our life. We call it sin, whatever, whatever that may be. It so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. How do we do it? By keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured, endured the cross, discarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured for sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, have not, you have not yet given your life and your struggle against sin. We, we, are, we are going to face some trials and hardships in our life. We're going to look back at the race that we've been running, and we're going to, and we're going to, we're going to see that there's been some hiccups, and there's been some imperfections in our life. There's been some there's been there, there's been there's been some things in our life that we that we begin to question but this first little part says we have to keep our eyes on Jesus and here's why is because keeping your eyes on Jesus your perspective will change keeping your eyes on Jesus your perspective will change your outlook on life will will change because if we keep our eyes on Jesus it changes our minds that's why it says, by the renewing of your mind, and then it goes to the heart. Because your heart is deceitful, it's above reproach, the Old Testament would say. Or your heart lies to you. So you have to change the way you think, and how you think determines on what you see in front of you. So if you keep Jesus in the picture, what you're going through in this moment may seem hard, and it may honestly suck. It may be unbearable. But our perspective can change. Do you think if you were standing there at the cross that day, you would have said, man, this is awesome. Off of him by all. Man, that man, look, like you can, he, you can barely recognize him. Like his skin's been ripped off of him by all those cat of nine tail whips. 39 plus one times. And now he has some nails in his hands and in his feet. Man, this is an incredible day. <laughs> You'd need to be in the mental hospital if you said that, if you were standing there today. But with our eyes on Jesus looking back with a different perspective, what we can say is, man, that was a good Friday. Because <coughs> our sin was atoned for. Because if we, if we fix our eyes on Jesus, our perspective of our current situation will change. That's why I tell people all the time, if you stay focused on what you need to stay focused on, you won't have to live the same lifestyle everybody else is around you. I had the, I have that conversation a lot with kids at the school I work at. You don't have to live the same lifestyle as everyone else around you, but you've got to keep your eyes on what matters. You've got to keep your focus forward. Because if you just sit and meddle in the situation that you're in now, you're never going to get out. You're going to drown. You've got to keep your eyes focused on Jesus. It'll go, like, it'll, your perspective will go from what is happening to me to what is happening for me. Your perspective will go to, instead of saying, what's happening to me? Why is this happening to me? Or, or why me? To, 
what is this doing for me? Because God's discipline often leads to breakthrough. God's discipline often leads to breakthrough. What do you mean, Derek? It means that maybe you're in this tough season of life because God has something else for you. God has something better for you. God, God has a joy for you that, that's, that's, that's unspeakable. The old song says, unspeakable and full of, you might know, glory. That's old hymn, sorry. Like your breakthrough's coming if we keep our eyes on Jesus. And then when we feel like we're being disciplined by God, instead of saying, God, why me? Why am I going through this? We need to change our perspective because it's oftentimes at the end of a discipline that our breakthrough happens. Because it's not simply, because it's not just, he's not just simply disciplining us for evil, but discipline stretches and broadens us in righteousness. Discipline stretches and broadens us in righteousness. Anybody here work out or have ever worked out once at least in your life? Maybe you did that December 31st. You said, you know what, starting tomorrow, I'm going to go to Planet Fitness. And, yeah. <laughs> and you start lifting weights. That stretch that you feel as you lift the weights or as you lift that fork, whatever. That stretch is a good thing, right? It causes tension. Why? Because it broadens your arms. Tension is good. That tension that's in your life right now is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's causing you to stretch a little bit. God's discipline always leads to, always stretches and broadens us in righteousness. And all righteousness is, is a right standing before God. He's refining you. His discipline is refining you. It's purifying you. Like in Revelation where it, talk, where it talks about when Christ returns and he calls us home at the end of the age, at the end of the age he, he, he sends fire from heaven to, to destroy, destroy the earth. But what it does is it refines the earth. It burns away all imperfections. Actually, at the end of this chapter, we're going to see that it says that he shakes the earth. So that all that, that is gone, all that needs to be gone, all the dirtiness, all the, what is unclean falls away. But the only thing that stays is what's unshaken, what's unshakable, and that's the kingdom of God. That's you and me. But it goes on to say, it goes, it goes on to say this. Let me, let me show you a little bit of what I mean. Hebrews 12, starting in verse 5, it says this. And have you forgotten, because how many times have we forgotten? Have you ever forgotten something about, about maybe what God told you? Like, I, like there's, a, there's a story when, um, like when G, uh, Jesus had, had risen from the dead and, and, and they're all gathered around and, they said, and the angel said, like, do not remember that he said on, 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 the third, on the third day I will rise. And they were like, oh, yeah, I do remember. But it's just, it's just like... It's just this thing of we often forget about the promises of God in our life. Have you forgotten these encouraging words God spoke to you as his children, as us as believers? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. You're like, Derek, how is that encouraging? 
Like, how is that encouraging? Like, to think about discipline. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his, as his child. As you endure divine, this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his what? Own children. When I was growing up, the church I grew up in, I think mom and dad had a rule that they, anybody in that church could whip us. Because some of them didn't. We deserved it, but he's treating us as his own children. Like, don't you do more for your child than you would for somebody else's? Why? Because you love them. Not saying you don't love other people's kids, but I'm just saying you, you do more for your children because they're yours. They're yours. And he's saying the reason that I'm, like my dad, like dad used to say to me all the time, I'm doing this because I love you. Have you ever said that to your kid when you whooped them? I'm doing this because I love you. Because what? We want them to know and do better. We want what's best for them. And the same way for, with God with us is, 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 is a devouring fire. He's, 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 trying, he's, trying to, he's trying to refine us and discipline us to be his. Who ever heard of a child who, never who was never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all, all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and are not really his children at all. If, you're, if you know that you're doing wrong and you don't feel like you're being disciplined, guess what? You're, the chances are that you're, you're, you need to reevaluate if you really have it or not. If you don't face hard times in life, Two things are happening when you face hard times in life. It's either the discipline of God or the enemy's attack. If neither one of those are happening, then you might want to reevaluate if you're really his. That's just me loving you and telling you because I want you to make sure at the end of the day, when your day comes, you know where you stand. You're illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, should we submit even more to, dis to the discipline of the father of our spirits? And live forever. For our, for our earthly father, fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in His holiness. Here's what you need to know: all, all, with all that, is that God's discipline is always good. God's discipline is always good. Because he's a good, good father, right? The other day, I went to whip Zane. Shocker. I went to whip Zane because he got himself a smart mouth and he went to smart it back at his mama. And Brittany got in my way. She said, don't do it. Don't do it, Derek. All right, you're lucky. Your mom stood in your place. But why was I going to whip Zane? It wasn't because I was mad. It's because, I, one, I don't want him to treat his mama that way, but I don't want him to treat a woman that way. You with me? No need for, for a man to talk to a lady that way. Do I sometimes get frustrated and talk that way? Sure. And Brittany puts me in my place. I'm scared of her. But we, discipline is always good. Now people take it to the next level. 
I get you. There's some people in this world that when they go to discipline their kids, they take it way too far. I hear you. But discipline should always lead to good because we want, I want what's best for Zane. I want when he walks down out through school, he becomes a defender of women instead of a smart aleck to women. You with me? God wants you, God wants you when you walk in this world to be an example for him, not somebody that pushes people away. Because we have enough brothers and sisters in this world that's doing a horrible job because they're pushing people away with hateful remarks, with, 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 with it's just craziness. Because hear me say this, just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean you can't love them. Okay? There's a lot, of, a lot of things happening in this world right now that we as a church disagree with, but guess what? We're still called to love people. And sending hateful messages out on social media or going and protesting something isn't going to, f- to fix what ails this world. But what will is, is you sitting across from a tab- on a table from somebody that you disagree with and being okay with having a little bit of differences and speaking life into that person. Because listen, there's always going to be somebody in this world that doesn't agree with you. But the one thing that we can agree on is that Jesus said you are to love to be, he said, to be in the world but not of the world. And what, it, what he's saying is you, you love with because of the world. Because I love them. I gave my, that person you just walked by that you disagree with because of, uh, and I'm, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this, and I'm, I mean, just be honest with you. I disagree with, disagree with some of these lifestyles. I disagree, like, I get it. I'm not vouching saying I, I condone this. Or, like, or I'm not saying that I agree with their lifestyles. But, but that person that may have a, have a rainbow flag on them that you won't ever talk to because of their lifestyle, well, guess what? Jesus died for them too. And that's not me saying what they're doing is right because I, I think the way God designed, th- God designed things to work a certain way, and, and, if the, he, if, and this goes with anything, whether it be sex outside of marriage or how we do our finances or how we do this, whatever the case may be, if it isn't the way God designed it to work, then it's wrong. But I can love that person because Jesus loves that person. I'm tired of the church getting a bad rap because of a, cer- because of a certain, certain group of people who are fanatics. And they've forgotten that they were in the same place these people were. Like we were just as bad as anybody else in this world. And Jesus loved us enough to die for us. He died for them too. And it's time for us. Maybe God needs to discipline the church on that one. To love people where they are. That's why I love, that's why I love Shift Church the way we got it done. Like anybody can walk in those doors. Anybody. They can learn about God at their own pace. They don't have to agree with us. It's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. We have a message of hope, and, we're, and, and this hope oftentimes leads, comes with discipline. But the discipline is always good. It's always good. Verse 11 says this. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. I think Jesus was really enjoying being hung on that cross. <laughs> I think he was sitting there, oh, joy. No. Nah. It was painful. It was hurtful. hurtful. Think I enjoyed every time my dad took a belt to me? No. If I was, I would be a freak. Weirdos. 
But looking back, I'm glad he did it. Looking back on my life, I'm glad that some of the disciplines that God did in my life because it, it, although it is painful, but afterwards there, will, there was always a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So like when I touch a stove, I have the stove and it's hot. I save myself from future pain because I know not to touch that again, right? Discipline reminds us of this is not the track I need to be on. So this is not the race that I need to be running. So take a new grip. I love that phrase. Take a new grip. Take a new look. Take a, take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your knees. What was that phrase you said earlier, Justin? Tie your boots up tight. Look to Jesus. Look to heaven. Strengthen your knees. Tie up your boots. And mark out a straight path for your feet. That those who are weak and lame will not fall, fall but become strong. Here's what, here's what all this said. Not only is that verse for you, but as you lace up your boots, as you look to heaven, as you keep walking toward grace, it will strengthen the people around you. Because now they don't have to go through this discipline anymore. Because they've seen it in you. Like, thank God that you went through that discipline, that hard time. I thank God every day that I was hit by a car when I was seven. You're like, Derek, that's weird. But, but that, I'm not saying that God was, that was a discipline from God, but that was a struggle. And I can look back and say, you know what, I should have died there, and devil, you should have killed me when I had the chance, when you had the chance. But because I, I came through that, I can help other people who are suffering. Who think they're a little crazy because they have metal plates in their head too. You, you're going through something not necessarily only for yourself, but for the people around you, for the lame and the weak, so that they will not fall but become strong. Work at, a live, work at living in peace with everyone. With who? What about somebody who's in office that you don't agree with? Or what about your boss who you think's an idiot? Or what about, you know what I'm saying? Work at living in peace with everyone. And work at living in a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other. So that none of you, none of you fa fails to receive the grace of God. The reason that we gather here today is a discipline. A discipline of encouragement. We can come together and we can, we can share life together. The reason that, that the ladies are getting together after church isn't just to hang out, but it's really an encouraging moment to be around like-minded people to say, you know, we need each other. Watch out, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. You know that afterward, when he, want, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he had begged with bitter tears. 
You have not come to this physical. You have not come to this physical mountain to place a, a, a flame, the place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and a whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai, for they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice that that so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. If you go back and read that story, it's a crazy story. Like God is literally speaking to them. And they're so scared of his voice, they say, shut up and let Moses speak. They, they staggered back under God's command. And if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight, at, at the sight that, he had, that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to, no, you have come to Mount Zion. That's me and you. We have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. Your name right now, if you're a believer in Christ, is written in heaven. Like no matter what you face in this life, no matter what, how, how bad you think this discipline is, the great news is, is that nothing can separate you, separate you from the Father. Your name is written. It can't be erased. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You have come to the, to the spirits of the, of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people and, and to, sprinkle, sprinkle, to sprinkle blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out in vengeance like, a, like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. God is speaking a word over you and it would be devastating if you don't listen. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they, re, uh, escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. If you, if you know that God is speaking from you, from, to you from heaven to change some things in your life, and you don't do it, what's, what's going to be the outcome? God wants what's best for you. God wants the best for you. And when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but also the, hev the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only Unsh only unshakable things will remain since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe and here's why for our God is a devouring father here's the deal y'all is sometimes we need to go through some hard things. We need to go through a fire and come out on the other side better. Sometimes we go through things in our life just because we're stupid and we make stupid decisions. 
We can't always blame things on the devil. The devil made me do it. No, sometimes we just make stupid decisions. But sometimes Jesus is trying to burn out of you something that needs to be burned out. Like, you have, have you ever been in, in moments where you just feel like, you feel like something overwhelmingly inside of you that you can't, you can't think, you can't think, like you can't even describe it, eyes out, or maybe it manifested itself in a service where you were bo- bo- boohooing your eyes out, or maybe you're th- walking through the woods hiking and you're bawling your eyes out, or you're, or maybe it's in the, in the, in those moments where you just kind of feel this awe, maybe that's God speaking to you. Because he deva- like when he comes in, it says he devours everything. He's like a lion. Pay attention to those things. Because it might just be that Jesus is trying to burn some imperfection out of you. Because there's something on the other side. There's a breakthrough coming here and go. And listen, I know that today's message isn't one of those that we can leave here and go, who oh, man, that was the best message Derek ever said. No, I know. Here's what you need to know is that our God loves us enough to, to, to discipline us, to correct us. That's what love does. Sometimes we have to be put in our place. You know, I think, I think about back about some of the hard things that I, that's happened in my life, and I think about was that God or was that me or was the enemy attacking, trying to distract me? I don't know. But here's what I do know. Is that at the end of the day, I've learned something. When I've gone through this struggle, I've learned something that I can use the rest of my life. Be open to what God's saying to you. Because even if it's not a discipline from God, God can use whatever's in your life to refine you and make you a better person, make you a better believer, make you a better follower of His. Maybe for some of us, we just need to say, you know what? God, I need some discipline right now, so bring it. Pour it out. I got some stuff messed up in my life that I know is messed up, and I need need to fix that. I need that fixed, and only you can do it. So whatever it takes... If I have to sit in sackcloth and ashes like they used to do in the Old Testament, I'll do it. <laughs> Not a pretty sight. You come out of there looking pretty dirty. Or maybe it might take you losing something that's dear to you. I think back to when I got hit by a car. I hope it's okay for Dad for me to share this story, but he always says to share whatever. Dad hadn't been in church in years, and I remember one time having a conversation with him about, about you know, like, mom was trying to talk him into, because mom started going back, and we're t- mom's trying to get him to come, and I was just a little kid, and I walked up to him with a basketball and tried to balance it with one finger and said, and said, God's holding the whole world like this, and the ball's like falling all over the place, and that's a really good example, you know. But I remember, I remember, mom praying about God do whatever it takes to get Coy back in church do whatever it takes to get get Coy back 
back connected with you. If that means, this is mom talking, me losing my voice, losing my arm or whatever. Then one day after baseball practice, when we could, where we lived, you could spit out the front door and hit the other side of the street. All right. We were gonna go. We were gonna go across the street, and I didn't get to bat that practice. And what kid doesn't want to bat when they go to practice? Stupid coach. Okay. And they, we're gonna go over there and hit some balls. And, and I remember um, going up on the hill, eating some strawberries with my grandmother because she lived up on the hill. Mom was at Tanya and Bill's house talking to them about something, probably about babysitting us. I don't know because they did that a little bit. I walk walking down the hill, Dad's standing at the end of our driveway. I walk down the street and this drunk driver comes around the corner and hits me and my dad sees it. I did some gymnastic flips up in the air. They said I they would have gave me a ten. I landed head first in the ditch and dad saw all of it. And I'm not gonna sit here and say that God caused that to happen, but I think that was a discipline in my dad's life. Even to the point where mom, I think mom even told you, didn't she, that Derek will die on this operating table if you don't get your life right. Sometimes it takes losing to think those things in our life, things that we hold closest. Dad was had a hold of me. Had had his hand over my head right here. If you look real close, later, don't do it now. But I have scars over here. Split my head open. That sometimes, sometimes God, God get, will get, let you get your hands dirty in the mess that you, to let you know how how bad bad off it is. Sometimes it's gonna take losing for us to gain. At least that's what UT coaches say, right? Sometimes it takes us losing what's close to us to get us reconnected with God. And here's one. Let's not let it get to that point for we can lose the closest thing to us for us to be reconnected with a God who says, I love you and has already shown us enough that if he, if he never does anything else for, for us, what he did on the cross was enough. Dear God, I've heard pastors say that forever. Well, because it's true. If he was just to die on the cross and raise from the dead, and that's all he ever did for us, then that was that's good enough. Because now we can live with hope and live with discipline. Live with training, because we have a perfect trainer. So here's the deal. There's not some big like come well, there's always a big come to Jesus moment, but there's not gonna be like let me just say, let me go this route. Maybe as I pray and dismiss this here in a minute, maybe what you need to pray about is that hard thing that you're facing, that thing that you think you're losing. Maybe pray to God, God, what are you trying to do for me in this? What are you trying to do for me in this hard situation? Because then, and only then, can will we ever get a good answer or an understanding answer. Because I'll because I, I got a picture him on the edge of heaven saying, I'm, I want what's best for you. And I'm, I'm taking this away, or I took that away to show you that I am greater 
I am superior. I'm the greatest of all time. Not your son. Not your daughter. Even as hard as this would say, I would say this, if something happened to, happened to Zane, her lyric, if they were to die at any point, guess what? God is still God and God is still good. If something was ever to happen to Brittany, God is still God and God is still good. But it'll get you focused, won't it? Isn't it funny how, I need to close because we're going a little bit over, but isn't it funny how sometimes it's in those tragic moments that it's only the tragic moments that we seek the God who's trying, who's been trying to get our attention the whole time. And we wonder why this is happening to us when he's been speaking this whole time and we've not paid attention. And so he needed to do something to get our attention. Like, hello, I've been speaking this whole time. But anyways, I'm on, that's just a soapbox. All right, but I love you guys. God loves you and Pay attention to those hardships in your life because it might just be that God's trying to do something for you and not to you. You with me? He's a devouring fire, and that's a good thing. All right, let's pray. Dear God, I want to thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to be here this morning. And I just want to thank you for being a, a heavenly father who disciplines us because you want us to do right and be right. You want us, You want something for us. So with whatever we're going through in this, in this room, God, will you open our eyes to say, if this is from you, God, what are you trying to do for me? What are you trying to show me so that I can move forward? Because I want that devouring fire in my life. I want that purification in my life. I want you to burn away every imperfection in me because it's about your glory. Your name, your renown is my desire. God, I thank you for being a God who's not ashamed to put us in our place when we need to be put in that place. I pray all this in your name.